Well, good morning. As a staff team, we missed being with you last weekend. It was a little bit of a different picture outside than it is this morning. Um, yeah, amen is right. Uh, I spent last weekend um, huddled under a blanket, um, mostly because I had been sick. And I was just trying to like, I had the antibiotics, I had all the medicine, I was just trying to like get to Sunday so I could have enough energy. Um, but then the huddled under a blanket became about hiding from the snow. <laughs> uh, but what a glorious morning. And it's good to be with you. It's good to be together. Um, and we're talking about this series, um, Fake News, because the reality is there's a lot of fake out there, right? And as we come together as a church, we get to address what's real. We get to name truth again in our lives and become reoriented again to what Jesus says and claim it again in our lives. So it's good uh, to do that, to worship with one another this morning. Um, in our house, there's a conversation that happens frequently um, between my husband Chris and I. Um, and it typically starts like this. It begins with me seeing an item that I think would um, work or look great in our house. And I enthusiastically present um, how this is the most awesome thing ever, and it's either going to completely revolutionize our lives, or it's gonna be so adorable and incredible, we'll have all of these family stories for a lifetime because of this one thing, right? And the conversation then flips to my husband, who after several minutes of staring at the item and debating its merits, declares, I could make that. And this exact conversation I know plays out in so many households between couples and roommates has led to this creation of the website Pinterest um, and its partner site Pinterest Fails. Um, so many of you know about the website Pinterest. Um, for those of you that don't, congratulations. Um, it's a website that allows you to create kind of a virtual bulletin board of sorts that you can share with others. Um, in other words, it's a bunch of people saying, I can make that. For a few brave souls that have tried to recreate the images that they have pinned, um, their brilliant efforts sometimes turn out not so brilliantly, which led to this other website called Pinterest Fails. And so I just wanna show you a few of these images this morning. Um, I was looking at them this past weekend with my kids and we just, we could barely breathe. We were laughing so hard. So Easter pictures, right? Maybe some of you have a kid in your life. Um, this is ideal, but the reality sometimes looks a little bit different. <laughs> a little bit different. We can try this one. Someone decided they wanted a poop emoji cake. I don't get it, but if this is your thing, it also could look <laughs> a little different. Or you think, you know what, penguins, they're my thing. We're gonna take banana, we're gonna you know, dip it in chocolate. You think this is gonna look adorable and then you just try it and <laughs> it doesn't turn out quite so great. Or maybe um, some nesting dolls perhaps, looks so cute, um, some nesting dolls and then you try to paint them and look a little silly. I mean, there's hundreds of these. Here's um, a family photo. It's adorable, right? What parent wouldn't want to recreate this with their child? So cute, and yet this is the real. <laughs> this is what happens in my house. One more, um, because I can relate with this. Elmo was like big for all my kids' first birthdays, and so um, we were always trying to figure out how to recreate Elmo for that first birthday picture. 
but then the, rea- the real happens. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking to waste hours like I was last weekend as the snow was falling huddled, huddled under a blanket, I highly recommend um, just perusing some of the photos on Pinterest fails. It'll give you a good laugh. And I love these because not only are they hilarious, thanks Kevin for taking the Elmo picture down. Um, But in an age where we all try to impress each other with our carefully crafted images, in a time where we put a lot of focus on the outcome or the product, we laugh because these pictures are what is real, right? They reflect the fact that despite our great intentions, things don't always go as planned. Um, or certain things are just more challenging than they appear. That maybe we aren't as humans in our humanity the best judges of what might be easy in our lives and what might be hard. So this morning we're gonna tackle the question of did Jesus really say that following me would be easy? And I just wanna submit to you that we might need a different question this morning because the question is not necessarily, does Jesus make my life easier? The, the reality is in scripture, we read verses like, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. What does Jesus say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reality is, that is true for us, and yet, In Holly's prayer this morning, we also read, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I want to invite you this morning to think about a third way. A third question. The real news that we need to reframe our question when it comes to our faith because it's not about is it easier or does Jesus just make my life harder? Because really in our human relationships, we don't ask that question, but instead we need to ask a different question and that is this, am I following? Am I following? And friends, following is a very different question than admiring. I mean, you could admire from a distance. You can know a lot about a person, you can admire them, you can speak well about them, you can say that you respect and admire who they are, but it doesn't mean that you're actually following them. That you're learning to live a life with them. And following is very different than just adhering to a set of rules and being legalistic. I mean, how many of you have ever known someone who was really, really good at keeping all the rules, but they were still kind of a jerk? Hopefully they're not sitting next to you today, huh? Following is also about not getting to just press the easy button and suddenly our lives become less complex and smooth sailing. What I hope that you'll leave with today is a little bit clearer of a picture of what it means to ask the question, am I following? And what this might look like for you. I want to read you a bit of scripture from the book of Luke, and it's in chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1 through 11. And I just want to read the story to you. For some, it'll be familiar to you, and so maybe you just need to allow the words to just kind of fall fresh on you again this morning. But let me read this story to us so it'll be up on the screen as well. It says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and they were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen 
who were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And if we start with that last line, they left everything and followed him. If we just preach the last line of the story, if we start there, it's kind of intimidating, right? They left everything and they followed him. And I know we're in church and so sometimes we hear these things and we just nod and say, of course, that's just what you do. But a normal reaction just kind of on a Monday through Friday in the streets, if you ask someone to do this, they would be like, are you serious? Are you crazy? How could I do that? I mean, think about your life for just a moment. You have a job. You have to pay the rent. You have three kids and a mortgage. You have a health concern. You're taking care of aging parents. You're in high school and you're just trying to get through high school. How can we follow if that means leaving everything? And if you look back at the story, following doesn't begin with this statement. It ends there. It doesn't begin with this statement, it ends there. And so I just wanna notice in this story a few things that allow Simon Peter to get to that place this morning. And the first is this, they listened. They listened. In verse one we read, the people were crowding around Jesus and they were listening to him. One thing that never fails is that Jesus knew how to draw a crowd. People were curious about him. They wanted to hear what he had to say, and the content of his message was not, hey, come and look at me, but the purpose was to teach the word of God. And he taught them, and it was from this context, it was from this group of people whose curiosity got the better of them, it was from this group of learners that these first disciples were called, because they showed up. It's because they were eager to learn eager to know. And Luke tells us that the crowd, they they sat and they listened to Jesus. And if you think about it, that's not very scary. I mean, it doesn't cost you much to engage with God's word and to hear what he has to say to us. They sat and listened because they wanted to know more about who this man was. I mean, like you, they had questions about life. 
They had questions about their faith. They had questions about their pain. They had questions about their problems. Like you, they had hopes and unfulfilled dreams and they wanted to imagine a better future for themselves. Like you, they couldn't figure out all the things of life on their own, so they sat and they listened. And here's the thing about following friends. Following Jesus always starts with listening. It always starts with learning. It starts with having the space to ask questions. And friends, we have got to say this about the church. It is okay to have questions. It is okay to have really hard questions about faith. It is okay to be at at a point in your life where you just say, I'm not sure about any of this. I just need to step back and I need to sit and I need to listen for a season. One of the reasons that as a church we have teaching on the weekends and groups where you can discuss ideas and classes and we ask you to read books and ask questions is that following Jesus, it starts with a place with just getting informed and learning who is this man? What did he say? What does he mean? And one of the biggest frustrations for me is that in the church is that sometimes when people start to ask questions, they feel like they have to go outside of the church to ask them. When Jesus, he encouraged people's questions. He encouraged their pushback. He encouraged their wondering. And not only that, but he celebrated it. For the first disciples, they were called because they were curious listeners to Jesus, does this describe your life? Are you listening? The second thing that we notice is they were inconvenienced. They were inconvenienced. It is not news to you, friends, that we live in a very convenience-based culture. Um, Convenience is such a high value that we are really quick in our lives to look at something and assess, is this going to make life faster, easier, quicker, more efficient, more effective? A website that I read frequently recently updated its format to include the amount of time it takes for an average reader to read certain articles. So it could have like a three-minute clock in the corner, or it could have a 12-minute clock in the corner, right? because it's all about convenience, and I love it. It's great, because I know what I'm getting myself into, but it just is a framework and a lens into how convenience-based our lives are. But discipleship, friends, following Jesus often means we're inconvenienced. The disciples, they're washing their nets. They're listening to Jesus when Jesus says, "Hey." I need to get to a place where I can teach from a better position, from a better spot. Can I borrow one of your boats? Remember the question? It's this subtle little moment. He wants to borrow one of their boats to move out into the water a bit, and it's kind of an inconvenience, and it's just a small thing. But the fishermen, they had been out all night. They were cleaning up, they were washing their nets, and I imagine Peter is thinking, you know what, Jesus, could you have just asked like a little bit earlier? Because we were just out there. Or Jesus, maybe if we could plan this another weekend when I have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule, it's not really that convenient for me right now. Friends, if you've been in this sit and listen mode for a while, Jesus is going to start trying to inconvenience your life just a little bit. 
God is gonna want to inconvenience you. You're gonna feel nudged to do some things a little bit differently, and it won't always feel more comfortable or more convenient for you. And if you're not feeling that tension, then you need to go back and you need to listen to Jesus some more. Maybe you've really never invested, really invested into getting into community. You haven't taken that step and you've been hovering around church but not really in church. Or maybe you see a lot of new people and a lot of new faces around you but you've kind of got things to do and places to go and so oftentimes you leave and you step right out instead of engaging. Maybe you don't even know what the change might be but you need to start talking about it and wondering out loud what Jesus might have next for you. Friends, Jesus' yoke is an easy yoke, but it's going to feel a bit inconvenient. It's going to feel like a hassle. It's going to feel a bit uncomfortable to get going because this is a new thing. And following is going to mean being inconvenienced in some way. Some of you have taken that step and you've listened and you've gotten a little bit of that kind of inconvenience in your life and you find yourself running a little bit stale, right? And you're asking myself, am I really going to experience God in my life or am I just gonna keep going through the motions, letting him borrow my boat here or there, giving him some of my time, some of my money, feeling inconvenienced, but how can I take that next step? And what we see in this story is that the fishermen took Jesus fishing, right? They took Jesus fishing. Look at verse four in this chapter, it says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This had to drive Simon Peter nuts. They had just fished all night when fishing is good. They're exhausted. They're cleaning their nets like we've already said. They're packing it in, ready to go home for a meal or a warm bed, for some rest. And Jesus is like, let's go back out. And Simon could have said, you know what, Jesus, you trained in carpentry. We're fishermen. Why don't you just kind of stick in your field, right? Or he just could have gotten practical and said, this isn't the right time to catch fish, Jesus. Jesus is inviting Peter to do something that Peter does every single day. It's nothing extraordinary. It's nothing that he doesn't have the skills for. He could probably do it in his sleep. Andy Stanley says this about this story. He he says, Jesus asks Peter to do something that he has done a thousand times. The difference is he's asking Peter to try it with Jesus. Did you see that? Jesus asked Peter to do something he does a thousand times. The difference is he's asking Peter to do it with Jesus. And I wonder as I say that to you this morning, what's stirring up in your heart? I wonder if you're listening. And I want to say to you this morning that sometimes that nudge from the Holy Spirit is oftentimes so small that we kind of push it to the side. And I want to encourage you, as I say those words, what is that thing that pops into your head that you just need to sit with for a little bit? 
Maybe it's the fact that every day you take out your wallet and you're being invited to do your financial life with Jesus. Maybe this morning it's a relationship and a person pops to mind. And there's a pattern of unhealth in your relationship. And Jesus is saying, what does it look like to do that relationship with me? Maybe it's every time you turn on the TV and what pops on the screen is the same news station blaring the same thing. And Jesus is inviting you to think and filter your media through what he says. Friends, don't push that away. That's the Holy Spirit at work. The last thing, friends, is that the disciples gave their lives to Jesus. They surrendered. This fourth and final phrase means no more compartmentalizing. No more God is just on Sundays. Simon Peter moves from a place of Jesus borrowing his boat to having his eyes and his heart opened to the Jesus who doesn't just want his boat, he wants his whole life. With the boats full of fish, many commentators say the biggest haul these fishermen would see in their entire lives. Simon Peter says to Jesus, I'm a sinful man. Because friends, when we confront the person of Jesus, we not only see who we are, but we often recognize how far we are from him. Now it's time to see where Jesus leads when we say, Jesus, it's all yours. If I've seen you can prove yourself in this small way in my boat when I just give my life to you, let's see what you can do. Some of you have been on the verge of this decision for a long time. You've been part of the church. You've been experimenting with trusting Jesus in little ways, but you've never said, Jesus, my life is yours. You can just, you can have it all. And as I say that, I want you to think about something for just a moment. I want you to think about Peter's life. I want you to think about Peter's life after this moment. Think about what you know about all that he would witness. Think about all that he would experience, all that Peter would see, all that he would do. This ordinary fisherman, the leadership that he would have, the influence he would have, the impact, the significance, the life change that would take place inside of him. Think about all of that just for a minute. The whole story of Peter's life, all of the details, friends, it was not a more convenient way of life. It wasn't more comfortable. His circumstances weren't easy. It was a difficult road, but the greater cost would have been if he had stood on the shore and said, And it makes me wonder, what if he had just stayed on that shore that day? What if he had just stayed by those nets, if he was standing by the shore and thinking, well, that looks hard. I'm tired. What if he had just not taken that risk that day to listen and to be a little inconvenienced, to take Jesus out fishing, and then ultimately to say, God, you can have it all. What if? As scary as that future may have been for Peter, the uncertainty and the risks, they were all there, but the greater cost for him would have been missing out on life with Jesus. Friends, let's pray together.
God, as I say these words this morning, I recognize that for some of us, we have been standing on the shore for far too long. And whether that's in some area of our lives where we haven't said yes to you, God, you are God who's living and active. You are speaking to us. And so wherever we're standing right now, God, I pray that your word, your message would be clear to us, that your heart for us, the love you have for us would be known in us so we wouldn't feel like we're taking a risk on our own, but we're only stepping towards you who loves us and knows us and has given your life for us, God. Father, would you just open up our eyes and our hearts to the things that we need to see as we follow you. Thank you for those in this room that have followed you closely for decades. And God, I pray into that today and I name the fact that you are still not done with us. And so God, would you continue wherever we're at to make that evident in our lives because we love you, because you are doing new things and because we want to follow you. We love you, God. We give our lives to you today. In your name we pray. Amen.